My sound is Welcome to America's Top Rebbitsons. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Lior Tovia Benhaya Ashna, and also for Adele Botvela. Please click the subscribe button to subscribe to us on America's Top Rebbitsons YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I am really excited to have on today's show a very special guest. Her name is Rebbitson Haya Uzan. Rebbitson Haya and her husband, Rabbi Israel Uzan, are emissaries at the Chabad of Nigeria. They help to build a Jewish community center and Jewish communal life in the city of Abuja. Chabad of Nigeria nourishes a community that is respectful and sensitive to diversity. They host Jewish services and events, Shabbat and holiday services, educational programs for people of all ages, and also provide multilingual services and resources to Jewish business businesses and business people who travel there and individuals working in Nigeria. Their programs are designed to strengthen Jewish identity and understanding of Jewish culture to the wider community. Wow, you really, really do accomplish a lot. Please tell us more about who, about yourself and what you do. Hi, nice to, to meet you and <laughs> nice to hear you. Thank you. Um, so you described it so well. You did so much research, I guess. <laughs> anyway, so I'm Chaya Ozan, um, originally from France. You can hear from my accent, right? <laughs> I love your accent, it's beautiful. <laughs> so I grew up in the north of France, Lille, a city called Lille. So it's not so far from Paris. It's just an hour train, but uh, like in France, we have like the fast train. So like driving, it's like three hours. And my parents were sent on Shlichu there um, some 35 years ago by the Rebbe. Mm -hmm. And we grew up there and we didn't have a Jewish school there. So we went to school in Paris. We stayed by my grandparents and uh, it was like that. We we lived like that. Um, and, you know, we came back on the Shabbat by uh, our parents. And I always felt like proud to be helping my parents. And I also wanted, that's how I wanted to go on Shlichut because I felt like, you know, you feel so good when you help people and you give to people. And I, I felt like the need of redoing what I grew up with. And yeah, that's kind of where I come from. <laughs> that is so beautiful. That is really beautiful. And now, now you're in Nigeria. It's so, it's such, for us in, uh, in America, it's such an exotic destination to be in Nigeria. I mean, many of us, many of us have never been to Nigeria. Many of us have never been to Africa. Um, and I just was curious, are there a lot of Jews in Nigeria? And if there are, can you please tell us about them and the Jewish community there? So we, um, yes, so first of all, I, we moved here, you know, when we got married in 2010, we moved here um, just for the Chagim, just for the holidays. We came here, you know, to visit the, the people here. My husband was actually coming here as a young rabbi, like before getting married, for the Chagim, like for Pesach and for Rosh Hashanah, you know, like the big holidays. And, you know, he came here, he came to different places in Africa. He was sent by Rabbi Shmolo, Shlomo, sorry, Rabbi Shlomo Bentolila, um, the head shliach of Central Africa, which is, he's based in Congo, mm -hmm. and he's still there. And um, so he sent about things like that for the Jewish holidays. And so when we got married, my husband was telling me about his experience in Nigeria. And I was very like, wow, that's so interesting. And we just got married in February. And in April, he told me, why not going for Pesach there? And I say, yeah, sure. 
<laughs> let's go. And then we started to go and, you know, we did like the first time I went, I was not like thinking I'm going to move there one day. I was just thinking, okay, it's a nice experience. People were okay. We're nice. It's an interesting culture. There's a lot of Israelis not uh, traveling, but actually working there. It's a lot of family. There's a lot of children. Okay. It's nice. But I didn't know I would ever end up, uh, you know, living there. Now, 12 years later, it's like funny how all the things that we went through and how everything like a puzzle came together. And we're here. We're in Abuja. And yes, so Baruch Hashem, we have kind of a big community in Nigeria. Nigeria is a big country. So we're in Abuja, which is one of the cities. There is now New Shluchim in Lagos also. Oh, wow. And uh, yes, which is the other city. We started there, you know, at the beginning we were there. And uh, we have, I would say like 30, 35, sorry, I'm just going to run away. We have like around 30 families, um, Jewish families in Abuja. Mm -hmm. Most of them uh, are Israeli families um, that come here for projects to work here for a few years. And then we have a lot of people like working in embassies and American embassy and a British embassy and some organizations and um, we have like a, a little mix of everything so all together we have probably in Abuja 400 Jews living here wow. and yeah and uh, so yeah I mean that's I would say 80% of Israelis and the rest is just combination of different cultures um, yeah Nigeria is a um, like an English speaking country. So we have like different people from like South Africa, you know, England, US. And it's very interesting to meet people from all over. Wow, that's fascinating. And it must make it easier for you at least that people speak English and you can communicate with them. It's a big plus. Uh, yeah. I mean, I come from France. So. Right. But you're speaking no, very well. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had to learn Hebrew like because like, you know, we learn in school Hebrew, but just to speak was a different story. You know, like I had to relearn how to speak. Like I used to like make classes like for women and I used to make a mix of English and Hebrew. And it was like, you know, they were like being nice. Yeah, it's okay. We understand. <laughs> and then one day I'm like, I have to really get into the Hebrew. I have to break my teeth. I have to do it. And then Hashem, now I, I'm improving. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm perfect, but I'm improving at oh, least. That's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. And even to you know that there are 400. Wow. It's like a, for Nigeria, is that, is that a large community? Like, do you know all, all around Africa? Like is, um, the, the Jewish community in Nigeria, is it one of the larger Jewish communities in Africa? Um, I don't think, I mean, you know, for me, it's not such a large community. It's because also we have to say something is that some people work um, out of the city for the week. They go to different sites around Nigeria to build, to do some agriculture, security, and then they, they will come only for the weekend okay. back to Abuja. So a lot of people that even the family is here, like I have a few friends here, Israeli friends, they, so they are here with their kids, they, they live in a place with all of them. And then the husband goes to work on Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, and then comes back either Friday or Saturday, which for them, you know, they only see them like for a day and a half, 
like during the week. Uh, the rest of the time they're away in different, different like small cities. So, you know, when I say 400 shoes, it looks like a lot, but then maybe, I don't know, 30% go out to those different places. And then there is a lot of older um, Israelis that come to work for like a few weeks and then they go back to Israel for a few weeks to, see, to be with the family. And then they come back for a few weeks. It's not like business people. It's mostly people that have projects here that have, I mean, it's business people. I'm saying they have a company here yes. and they come and go but for a longer period. Uh-huh. I understand now. Got it. So they're not in Abuja 100% of the time. They're they're. Yeah, they're that's why. Like we have, like, so we have a few years kind of the same community and sometimes it changes and then some people come, some people go. It's a very, uh, It's know, a very transient community. People are here, people leave yeah. out. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And I understand that a few years ago, you built actually a mikvah in Nigeria, which is so amazing. I, I imagine there's such a great story behind that. Can you please tell us the story behind how the mikvah was built and why it was built? Um, so we have a lot of stories, actually. <laughs> when I was trying to think like only the mikvah story, there's a lot of like different stories that came together just for the Chabad house and then for the mikvah and then for the preschool. And then, so, you know, we, so we moved here um, to Abuja nine years ago. And for a few years, we were going with, you know, the, you know, seeing what the community needs. Like, right. <clears throat> so we had a Hebrew school and then we had programs for the women and then we had classes for the men. And one day I realized there was a lot of small children. So I decided to open the preschool. So, you know, slowly, slowly we, we go with, you know, with what we see we need, you know, yes. it's, it, it doesn't make sense for us to make like a preschool if there's no children. So we made slowly, slowly adjustments here and there. And then when I studied the preschool, I, you know, Migve is for, is the first thing you have to do when you move to, to a place. Like mm -hmm. I would not say not everybody has the, the luck to do it. The first thing, I mean, some people live for in a place for a few, quite a few years and they have no Migve, they have to travel. And I did travel for a few times and uh and but it was always on my on my um on my list you know my to-do list like the first yeah. thing and with my husband also but the thing is in nigeria to get a land to build a migve is a big issue so first of all you usually you know just to find the land is very hard then you find the land that is to sell but then when you do some research it's already sold or it's um they tell you yeah you can buy it but then it's already by owned by someone else so you give the money to that person but the pe <laughs> it's a big wow. mess so the thing is you have to do a lot of research you have to go to the government of the i don't know how to call the land people to make so that takes time yeah and we're like really trying to you know to ask for help from people that know like what's going on here and Everybody wanted to help in a way, but you know, we didn't see any anything going forward. Like we were like, okay, we're stuck. What we're we gonna do for the midway? We cannot build where we were staying before. It was like a place where we lived in, a, in like in a house with the different houses. I don't know how to call it, a compound, whatever. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't build there because it's not ours. And um, the preschool was not an option. It's not ours. Also, we were renting. And we were really, really looking. And um, my husband was just visiting lands and stuff. And he was even thinking maybe we should buy a big land and then have the, the Chabad house 
and then the mikveh and then everything together. But it's it's really hard to find that. And one day he was meeting with an Israeli uh, that works here for a few years already. And he was telling him, you know, I'm struggling to find the land and it's really uh, frustrating. And what could I do? Like, how can I make things easier? And uh, the man was, I'm sorry for the background. No worries, all good. <laughs> children are running out of the house. Um, so... Uh, so the, the man was really nice and he was saying, he, he told my husband, you know what, I have a land now that I have for a few years, I want to build there. For now, it's not a project yet, but we're trying to like, you know, things take time. Mm -hmm. um, so the thing is, I can give you a piece of my land in the site, you can rent it from me, no problem. You rent this place, whatever I'm going to build you're you're gonna have to move but if you want to take the risk and come and we're like okay let's go and we brought a rabbi here rabbi grossbaum from somewhere in us i forgot where he lives i think philadelphia but i'm not sure and he came he's a specialist with mikvaot and building the mikveh and he came he was working under the sun making plans and um just to make like the whole like specifications the measurements yes and working with people and Baruch Hashem, we built it took long a long time and we worked after we worked with architects from france actually like architect that built mikveh before uh, and then interior designers and and then we went around places to find tiles and every time people were like ah oh, just go to the market get tiles and i went to the market and i was like i was telling my husband I don't want the cheap tiles for the mikveh. I want the nice tiles. I want the people to come in the mikveh and say, wow, this is a, such a nice place. Yeah. I don't want them to come and feel like it's less nice than what they have in their house. I want them to be impressed. Yes. So we found a place that import uh, tiles from Italy. And then we worked with them. And we didn't have a budget at the beginning. We were just discovering how everything works. And Baal Hashem with a few fundraisers, uh, like sponsors, and my husband did all the fundraising. I'm not, I'm not so good at that. Baal Hashem, we found 40 people to donate such a sum of money. And, and Baal Hashem, people were really like happy to help and, and really excited for that. And, and yeah, that's all. We, yeah, yeah, uh, no, sorry, not this. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, my kids are running out to go swim and okay, no problem. Anyways, so so we did. So we imported the tiles. We didn't know, like we didn't know this company. We didn't know if the tiles would arrive or not. So it took time, but Baal Hashem, we did it. And when we finally opened the Mingle, like the first night, we did like a big event. We invited all the women. That was five years ago. I feel it was yesterday. But you know, on your phone, you get like pictures five years ago. And then like um, yes. this month, I got pictures and I'm like, I told my husband, could you imagine five years already? So Baal Hashem, and every time, a woman comes to the mikveh for the first time or not for the first time they really feel good because it's a nice place and um it's not big it, there's only one uh, room to get ready and the mikveh but it's just like you know it's whatever we needed here and it's beautiful to see people enjoying the fact that we have a mikveh here and i don't know if, if people like 
like, you know, I have a lot of friends that still don't have a mikveh and I see the struggles and I remember how I was struggling. Yes. And some people would be like, okay, yeah, I'll go to the mikveh. You know, like I want them to realize, wow, you're so lucky you have a mikveh around you, you know, 10 minutes away from the house here. We're in Abuja, we're in Nigeria. And yes, Baruch Hashem, we have to thank Adam every day for, for that. Wow. It's so special that you were able to do that. And, and so many things were going wrong in the beginning and, you know, you couldn't find the land and, you, you know, you couldn't figure out where, where to build. And finally, like, I feel like it's, it's, it's Hashgaha practice. I feel like it's the hand of Hashem that he really helped you find the place to build it, to, to raise the money to build it and to actually build it. And now it sounds like you have such a gorgeous mikvah with beautiful Italian tiles for women to come and to, to immerse in, in the mikvah and just to, to fulfill the mitzvah. I think it's, I think it's amazing. Really beautiful. Yes. And so now that there is a mikvah in Nigeria and the Chabad house, can you please talk to us about what Jewish life is like in Nigeria? Um, so uh, it's, it's, I don't know, like I would say, oh, it's amazing. It is amazing. It's nice. Um, I, Baruch Hashem, always, like when I speak about it, I don't feel like I'm missing something, you know, from... Okay, my kids don't have a Jewish school. We have a preschool, but my older kids don't have a Jewish school. So they have online school, which works very well for us. And um, I mean, everything has their, you know, good things and not so good things. But like my kids are really engaged into it. They love it. They have such great teachers. And we are in the Hebrew zone. So like they have, they learn like in the morning and then in the afternoon, I have like different activities for them. So that's for my children. I have the preschool the whole day for the small ones. So I bring like usually two, two girls to help for the year. And they give like a little, you know, push for the activities and Hebrew school. And uh, um, so anytime we have, let, let's say we have, there's no school, let's say the, you know, the Israeli kids, they go to the American International School mm-hmm. or the British International School, it depends. And whenever they have a day off or a week off, we have a day camp. That, so like the week of Purim, we're going to have a full day, uh, like a full weekly camp. And um, so it's really nice to see people come. They learn about the holiday. They, they want to do it at home. We have Shabbat meal, Shabbat meals. Uh, we usually invite like different families. Um, sometimes we give out challah on Friday. Um, the refreshment of people or just in the memory of people so that's something we are doing we go my husband usually goes to visit different people that need a mezuzah or uh you know for a new office or the house um we opened a small supermarket a few years ago wow Uh, yeah it's like a small cute place but you know, people, when we first uh, opened, people were coming inside. Oh, wow, we have so many Israeli products. And we were trying to like bring like a container from Israel with different things that they would like, like Bamba and Chava and even the Israeli shampoo. And slowly, slowly you bring them these and then they want to buy also the kosher meat and the kosher wine. So, wow. yes. Yeah. And we brought like kosher meat from South Africa which is not so close from us, but we managed to bring it. And it's a very good meat. I don't know if you guys <laughs> already tasted the meat from South Africa. It's really good meat. And um, we, so we have the Macaulay, the store. 
And you know, every holiday we make it special. We make a, we make a women's event every month. We try, you know, to do like a nice class where they would be interested and uh, to learn about our culture and everything. Yeah, that's kind of uh, what we're doing. I'm trying to think um, what I didn't. We have a, like a teenager program. Also, we do like a few every few weeks. We do like a nice uh, event. Um, uh, I think I think that's all. I mean, you know. Every day comes another thing, another challenge. Like my husband had <clears throat> uh, someone that were, that passed away here, and you know to bring it to Israel. And one time it happened that we had to bury him here because there was no way to bring him to Israel. Whatever, a long story. So you have to build like a small side in the cemetery to build to to bury the person because it has to be separate, like a Jewish cemetery. But we don't have a Jewish cemetery, so it has. To be. You know, a whole, like it was last year that this thing happened because every time, it, it, every time, like there's not a lot of people passing away, but some people that passed away, they were brought to Israel right away, but this person couldn't. So it was like a very new thing, but you have to learn how to deal with the new things, you know. And uh, so that's kind of the kosher, the kosher, the Jewish life, the kosher, yeah, we could say the kosher, the Jewish life also. And now, I mean, a few years ago, we started also humanitarian programs for the locals here, for the Nigerians. Um, we actually had a sponsor approached us, like a, someone from France approached us and said, he wanted to give um, a donation, but not for the community. He didn't want to give for the Jewish actions. He said, it's beautiful what you do, but what I want to give is for helping like people, uh, that are in need in Nigeria. And he was doing that in different countries and he wanted us to, and we were very new with that. We, we didn't know where to start. There's so much to give, like around your house, there's people like children that don't go to school, that have uh, food on their head to sell. And like, where do you start? What do you give? And we, we, you know, we, we did some research. We did some research, we visited school, we visited like a special needs school, and this is how we started. We went and helped them, um, you know, uh, doing things for their, so they like teenagers that have like special needs. And so we bought for them a candle machine so they can make candles and then sell them. And then they started making uh, different like chicken farming and that things they can do on their own and then sell it and then they could get money. It's like a small job. So we help them develop different programs. And then we started and then you cannot stop. It's right. like we have to do something. So we had when we fundraise for our budget, we had a special we opened a special organization called Chabad Aid which has their own special budget just for our humanitarian programs. And we didn't stop since then. We are just, you know, it's like we started giving food into villages and renovating schools. And um, and this past year, we did like a few um, borrow, you know, where you could get like a, a, a water, yes. <laughs> you, say? you know, like, so they, these villages in Nigeria, that are not so far from us that don't have running water. They don't have uh, water to drink, nothing. They have to walk walk like a few miles 
don't know how many miles and, and carry on their head and on their hands, like just oh to wash God. clothes or cook food or anything. And sometimes it's not even clean and they, they have a lot of disease. So we, we you know, we find a company that, that uh, drill borehole inside and it's like a few meters down, like so every place is different. So we have to bring an engineer and measure and everything. And then when you open the, the water tank, I don't know how to call it, when you actually do it, it takes a few days. When you actually do it, we do a program, we give out food, we give out clothes, and the kids are so excited just for the water. It's like you open it and you see all the smiles and all the joy and all the, we have a quite a few um, uh, videos on our, we have an Instagram page, Chabadeid International, and you could see the joy of the kids. It, it's like, we can stop, We, we it's like, you know, we have to do something else. We have to do it. And it's beautiful. At Balfashem, we have some sponsors that are very interested in that. And they come here and they want to help. And it's beautiful. It's really, really nice. That is so special. It's incredible because you're, you're I mean, you're helping the Jewish community, but you're also helping the non-Jewish community around you. It's such a Kiddush Hashem. It really, really is. And they see the, the, the Nigerians, the native Nigerians see that there are Jewish people that are willing to help them. And you're making such a difference, especially with the water, as you were just saying, you know, here we, we take for granted, you know, in the United States, we take it for granted. We could turn on the sink, we can get water, we can go to the store and buy bottles of water, you know, but in Nigeria, it's not so simple. It's really, really not easy. And for such a for such a thing that we consider such a basic need, water, it for for that to bring so much joy to them that they now have fresh water that they could drink, that they could cook with, that they could wash their clothes with. It's really, really incredible what you're doing for them. Really amazing. And yeah, yeah. And I also want to say I it's the kosher supermarket that you have, I still can't get over it because I travel a lot within the United States. I really try to go to each state and I, you know, to visit the Jewish community, to visit all the different sites. I have to tell you, not all, even not all Jewish communities in the, in the United States have kosher supermarkets. And just to wow. know that there's a kosher supermarket in Nigeria, it's it's really right now, it's blowing my mind. It really, really is. So now you can come and visit. <laughs> yes, yes. You have a mikvah, you have a Jewish supermarket, there's a Chabad house, you can daven, you can do Shabbat. Really, you have, you have like the whole infrastructure there, you know, that people could really lead a Jewish life, you know, at least somewhat comfortably, you know. Wow. Yes, I think so. Yes, Baruch Hashem, yes. <laughs> it's incredible, wow. <laughs> so now I want to ask you um, on a different line of questions. How, how have you found your personal experience as a Chabad emissary in Nigeria? You know, what has it been like to live in a place with no extended family, like your parents are not there, aunts, uncles, family, you know, cousins? Uh, what, what is that like for you? So, you know, a lot of people ask me this. Do you miss your family? Do you miss, for sure I miss my family. For sure I would be, uh, like, I would love to be there at every Brismila bar mitzvah, weddings. We try. We try to travel at the big events and everything. But also, the thing is, I always, I always think about it. And because I lived in a place where my parents were also on Shichut and I don't have aunts or uncles or cousins or close to us in our city and even in Paris. We don't, oh. Like most of my family lives in uh, in one second in US or so, so, sorry one second. Okay. 
So, right, so you're saying that you, re- you don't even really have a lot of family in, in France, like where your parents were living, right? Yeah, we, I mean, we were, I guess we were used to it. I mean, it's nice to have family around and everything, but I, I guess I was also used to it. Um, but, you know, we miss our family. We have my, actually my husband's family, uh, parents came to visit a few times. Last year for Pesach, we had all this family come. Okay. It was such a nice Pesach. Um, so we had, you know, we try. Family come to visit or we we go back once a year in France to visit the family and to put the kids in camp and, you know, to do some shopping. Yes. So it's actually very nice. But my experience, um, you know, it's funny because when you don't live in a place, like I see like other shukhat or other friends or whatever living in such crazy places like Cambodia and Mauritius and things like that. And I'm asking myself, how do they do? But you know what? When you live in a place, you have the strength and every place is meant for someone. And then, you know, you have to deal with the everyday challenges and, and you know, it's your life. It's, you know, you choose it and you have to find the best way to make it easier for you, for your family. And um, personally, sometimes, you know, people tell me, so you do like, uh, so you're doing like, uh, like the ambassadors, you come for a few years and then you go. And then we're like, no, we don't. We're here. The Chabad emissaries, they come. I mean, when you move to a place and you are there for life, you don't move. And in a way, I always tell my husband, for me, it would, it's just easier like that. Because if you're coming just for a few years, by the time you want to build a mikveh, you have to go back already. So it doesn't make sense. Like By the time your kids are like getting used to the place, you have to move them around. Like I think it makes more sense to just stay here. And also when you're here and you know that's your life, you're getting more involved like you want to have a supermarket you want to have some stuff here yes. you want to have a preschool because this is where you're going to live here yes. you know maybe my, my husband always makes a joke maybe one day we'll open a retirement <laughs> retired uh, home no like a uh, old age home you know yes, yes maybe we never know. <laughs> but now we're still young and uh, um growing here with our family but you know we have to I don't know, you, you have to appreciate what you, you have. And I think that also Nigeria, I always try to tell people like to come and visit because Nigeria gives you such a lesson for life, how to be grateful with what you have and how to, you know, to thank Hashem for what we have and whatever, you know, we can do for others. Also, it, it fills you so much. It fills your tank so much because you, you know, you're giving, you're showing, uh, you're showing appreciation. You're smiling to people outside. And it's, it's, I mean, it, I also learn a lot from people here in Nigeria. They're very smiling people. And, uh, you know, they might not have everything we have, you know, like in their culture, I'm saying, but they're still very happy. And it, I don't know, they have a culture of just, like you know like a smiling and and children like we were in a in a school like a, how many three weeks ago yeah yeah it's gonna be a month ago we did a program in a school for glasses we brought like a women uh, uh, doctors from nigeria mm-hmm. to to test the kids for eyesight and we gave out glasses we have a sponsor from uh, new york 
And I think uh, it's like the company name is Yogo Vision or something. And I forgot his first name. <laughs> Sorry. And he donated us glasses for children with um, the like different numbers, like a few of the numbers, not exactly, I mean, you know, some kids, we wrote down the prescription because we couldn't give them the exact glasses, but we're going to make the, the glass and then put it. Yes. But the ones we, we tested the kids and whatever, and it was a, a school that had like a thousand kids in the school. It was a, a huge school. And I saw the queue was long and there was only three doctors testing. I mean, only three, but still three doctors testing the children. It, it was taking like, a, you know, quite a, you know, the kids were waiting and I, I put on music with my, I had a Bluetooth speaker with me. I put on music and then the children were dancing around me. They wanted to dance and, and they are very good dancers, like really, really good. They were so, they were so cute. And I had so much fun. I felt so good. Like, like as if I gave them, I don't know what, I just put on music and danced with them. And I felt so good. I don't know. I like, sometimes you have days like you're trying to think how I'm going to manage, how I'm going to do this. But then you see their smiles and I see them, saw them dancing. I couldn't stop. I was like so excited. Anyway, yeah, that's, um, that's what I feel. But well, Hashem, yeah, I really like, you know, I really like what I do. When you do things with passion and things that you like to do. Yes. Then um, well, it makes all the difference. Yes. Yeah. Wow. It's incredible. And, and how about the Jewish community? Are the, the Jews in Nigeria, are they open to your outreach? Like when you reach out to them and invite them for Shabbos meals or to come for a Purim Suda, like are they responsive? So uh, it's actually very funny how, you know, some Israelis, you know, they that live here, you know, in Israel, maybe, you know, we I just trying to understand, like in Israel, you know, you have, you open TV, you have, okay, Purim Sameach, happy Purim, ta, ta, ta. Even if you're not really religious, you know, even if you're not practicing or traditional, you still have, you go outside, you see the bus passing, Mishoch Manot, Hanachot, you know, like sale, da, 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 and this. Uh, you, have, you have the holiday all around you, but sometimes you don't do it at home. Yeah. So yes. like you have, you see the holiday, but you, some people don't connect with it. But here in Nigeria, because they don't have all the around stuff, they are looking for, they are looking to fill this, some of the holiday, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when we do an activity for children, for sure they want to send the kids, you know, for sure, even if, People are not uh, strictly kosher or, or Shabbat uh, keeping people or whatever. They still want to attach and do the kiddush and they do it at home. Some people do it at home. Some people want to come and join us. And some people want to learn how to make challah just because they want to feel a little bit of Israel inside their house, you know, like, so that's incredible. And I feel like if we can make a difference of how beautiful is Judaism, for their eyes, for their, these children, maybe they will grow up and want to learn more. And, you know, this is our goal to show them the beauty. And, uh, and then we have people that are actually uh, coming and from traditional families that want to keep things. And we make it, I think we make it easier because we invite them to, you know, the, the shul, the prayer and then the Hebrew school. And then it's keeping the, the traditions and the culture alive. That's so important. It really is because they're they're far away from their home, and you're bringing you're bringing that home back. You know, in Nigeria, you're you're really making them connect with the holidays, with Shabbat, and you. Wow, it's amazing. You're bringing that to them. It's fantastic. 
Um, wow. Well, thank you so much, Robertson Haya, for taking the time to join us on America's Top Robertsons. We really enjoyed having you on the show. I think everything that you said was just so interesting. So interesting. Um, and we hope today's learning will be for the Rafua Shalema, for Lior Tovia Ben Haya Ashna, and also for Adele Bad Bela. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. See you. Thank you.